Welcome to the Five Week Linguist Show. If you want to learn a language or you teach a language, you've come to the right place. Join Janina each week for tips, resources, and advice for making engaging language learning happen anytime, anywhere. Welcome to the Five Week Linguist Show. Over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the actful five C's. And for those of us that teach languages in the United States, we're probably really familiar with them, the, these five standards. Um, but if you're a language learner, I really think there's a lot to take away from these standards. And we're going to deep dig really deeply into each standard over the next five weeks um, so the standards are communication, culture, comparisons, connections, and communities. Um, and so this week we're going to talk about the one that's in the center of all of it, which is communication, which is really obvious, right? We, we study languages because we want to communicate with people. And I think there's some really great takeaways for independent language learners here with the the discussions and um, so much of what Actful has published for learners and for teachers. So, so Actful defines communication in three different modes. So there's the interpretive mode, meaning understanding what you read and what you hear. There's the presentational mode, which is writing something, perhaps writing an essay or giving an oral presentation, giving a speech. And then there's the interpersonal mode, which is talking back and forth. So I think it's really important, you know, the polyglot community, we talk a lot about, you know, input and output and, you know, what, what should you do? I really love when Actful published these because I think that it really gives us permission to understand that there's more than one way than just the interpersonal communication, right? That that all of these are really equally important bits. And if you can invest some time into all of these things in a way that really suits you and suits your life and suits your personality, that's the key, right? You're not doing things that are making you uncomfortable. So in the interpersonal mode, which is, of course, just talking, that's actually really hard. On one hand, it's easy if you can get over the shyness and just, you know, learn a few words and phrases and just talk. But that, I don't know how realistic that is for many people. You don't know what the other person is going to say back. So as a language learner and as a language teacher, you can invest a lot of time in understanding, right? I, as my very unscientific rule of thumb, I do two to one. I, I, I try to invest twice as much time in understanding, listening. We have two ears and one mouth, one brain and two eyes, listening and reading, understanding into input that I do into output. That really works for me. Um, but some ways that this can, these three com communication modes, activities that you can do as a teacher and as a learner, 
to really bring this standard to life. So reading. Reading is super, super important and really obvious, but I, I think it's really important to do high interest reading, whether that's for yourself or for a learner. I really love things that are are, are built with CI in mind, comprehensible input, um, because they make things really easy to understand. It can be really rewarding. Uh, one of my first experiences was as a child, my grandfather was massively intelligent. Uh, he had two degrees from Harvard and he had a basement full of books. And the first time I went into this basement, I was seven years old. I think I'd actually been there before, but the first time that I really remember going down there to pick a book, I was seven years old. And the gold-leafed Shakespeare books were not accessible. The novels that, I mean, it, it very little of it was accessible to a person who had just turned seven years old, but the easy Spanish reader was actually okay. And I started working through that. It got, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I dabbled in it and then it got really easy. Um, when I became a teenager, that same book, I really started learning how to do it quickly. It had lots of, you know, voc- glossaries and vocabulary in the margins and heavy use of cognates, um, pictures, really, really valuable. And I know that there's new versions of these easy readers out there, kind of updated, um, really powerful tool. But if it's not immediately comprehensible, which is most things, right? So when we're literate, we can use that tool to learn languages, right? We can, we get to use print to learn languages, right? But first you got to read, you got to learn to read, which I know is a challenge in languages, um, that, that don't share the same alphabet. That's a real challenge. You got to do that first, right? And then, and then you can get into the, the, the reading to learn after that, but, but putting those activities in with lots of support. So for example, you know, I might make it kind of a scavenger hunt, find five things that do this. Let's let people work in pairs, um, get a pen, mark up the text, get post-it notes. I absolutely love read-laying, which I don't know if, if you're a teacher, if that's realistic for your classes, because it's a, it's a Chrome browser extension. But not only does it create flashcards and, and, and help you, basically it creates glossaries as you, you use your, your cursor. It also gives you suggestions from, from the target language culture. So a really powerful tool. And I am absolutely loving all of the great books that are building this whole idea, Crashin's Library just seems to be coming to life more and more and more and more and more all over the place. And people like AC Quintero, she's writing books. And um, I, I, I know there's more of you out there that are writing books for you know Spanish libraries and French libraries. Um, if you know of any names, please let me know. Um, I would love to share their work. Um, Because I think it's really valuable, right? That's a huge part of communication is that interpretive communication. Um, Listening is much more challenging, I think. Um, I think you really need a lot of support with listening. That other piece of interpretive communication. With that said, again, technology is really helping that. So if you don't have a great teacher or mentor who's right there with you, who you can ask questions to, um, 
you can hit replay, which is great. Um, I know that there are a lot of tools that are built. I love Netflix, language learning with Netflix. That's great. My very favorite comprehensible input tool for listening is Yabla, but they don't offer it in every language. So there's some, like if you're studying Japanese, for example, Yabla is not available in that, but they have, they have created things to make authentic language accessible to learners. So listening and, you know, all of those technology tools that we're talking about have visuals, right? And and then these companies have and they've added features, subtitles, closed captioning, games, uh, the ability to slow down a player to make all these tools really super accessible. And as teachers, we know of course we can use visuals and gestures and repetition as well as those, in addition to those technology tools to make language really accessible. So, so again, really take advantage of the technology and make it part of your routine, right? Do you, I, I would say that working on listening is a super critical skill. Don't be afraid to listen to the same audiobook three times. Don't be afraid to listen to the same Pimsler lesson three times. I've been working, reviewing my Pimsler Japanese. I left Japan 15 years ago, and I'm going through the course right now on my app. I absolutely love it. I'm repeating. I'm repeating lessons three and four times. You know what? That's okay before I'm moving on to the next. It, it's really helping it stick. It's helping it learn. So don't be shy about doing that. Um, presentational. So essentially presentational, writing and speaking. Those aren't real interpersonal tasks, as we know, which is really the ultimate goal is just to be able to speak fluently for so many of us with a language. Um, but those presentational tasks are amazing rehearsals for this and amazing ways to build vocabulary, right? A notebook is your best friend here, whether you're a teacher or a learner. Assigning students tasks or assigning tasks to yourself to give talks about. The talks can be short. They don't have to be super developed. They don't have to be super professional. It's all about you learning how to say things, right? So for example, a presentational task might be talking about the best summer of your life, which is actually a pretty advanced level task. And it could be something much more simple, going through and talking about different holidays and the dates those fall on in the year, right? So mo using months and days and numbers. You can speak these tasks, right? I love to take a notebook and I love to bullet point out the things that I'm going to talk about and I'm speaking, right? Re and record it using vo voice memos and then you have a great documentation of your progress or use them as a journal and write them out. At first, you might be really weak, right? Logically, and you might need lots of support to be able to even write a paragraph. Once you get going, start doing these with a time limit. Set your time limit and say, I'm gonna talk about my family for seven minutes. Don't use any aids and then go back and look up the words that you didn't know. Do this regularly and you will be astounded at your progress. In teaching languages, the way this looks, you definitely want to keep affect down, 
You have to build up to being able to do these things. But whether you're a teacher or a student, regularly working with tasks is going to explode fluency. You know, I'm always looking for fun, interesting contexts for my class. I'm willing to do very boring contact contexts because I'm I love languages. I'm I'm willing to do it, but things that are motivating and interesting. And those all build up into that rehearsal to that interpersonal communication, right? That being able to talk back and forth. Now, some ways that this can look as an independent learner or as a learner in a class, starting from the very beginning, I think questions and answers are probably one of the most powerful ways to build languages. So Q&A at the most basic level forces you to give an answer. And, and uh, you know, we do these as a beginner, you would do this in teaching beginners. This would be in a really kind of rehearsed and um, formal way that looks a lot more like these presentational tasks, right? Where you're, you're doing Q and A, you're, you're going back and forth. And it's not real interpersonal communication, which is spontaneous, but it's a really powerful way to build vocabulary, right? Question and answer. I have, I, I, I create tons and tons of, of materials for myself um, in Q and A when I'm learning a language. And I think they're really powerful. Those same questions, if you get on on italki and talk to a tutor, I, I know there's other sites out there. I've not used them, so I can't speak to them, but I've, I'm a long-term fan of italki. I love it. Um, even as a novice, asking those questions and you're going to get from that native speaker, you're going to get such rich information from the response of all language that you can acquire. So your rehearsed questions can serve as a powerful catalyst for real language to come back to you that you can keep. I like to record my lessons because then that way I have a listening activity. The way, A way to do this with students to get them, the steps working with students are to get them comfortable understanding you and being uncomfortable with ambiguity talking to you in the target language and then talking to each other. And, 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 you know, there's lots of laughter, et cetera, along the way. But, you know, one of the things I like to do when we've worked through that is to host guest speakers and I theme our interviews. So for example, it might be all about a specific country or it could be about a specific topic, you know, science and technology, depending on the expertise and where the person's from. And the students create questions based around that. I like to use a Google Doc because that way um, there's no repetition of questions and then they can edit. Then you've edited it. The day of the interview, you can hand out the paper to everybody and then they have something they can write down the answers as they talk and then clarify among themselves what, what they didn't get. It's a really powerful way to build comprehend, um, to build acquisition. It's something Benny Lewis does a lot. He does his own version of this. I, he's not a language teacher, so um, you know, he, he, he did this to, to, to really catapult, to really ex- accelerate his learning, and it's really effective. Getting on a, um, a talk, getting on a call with an iTalkie tutor to be able to um, 
really get that that practice and then get that input. And then that input's going to accelerate. And I, I had an interview with him once and I thought it was so clever what he said. He loved using, this is before we all, you know, the whole world went to Zoom. He told me he loved to just even use the chat function on his his calls early on. How clever is that? It's really not intimidating. Just being able to ask a question and answer in the chat box is a really powerful way to have a sort of that interaction, uh, the, that sort of building up to that real interpersonal communication, which happens later. And with regard to interpersonal communication, again, for teachers or for, for students and, and learners, things, you know, formal classes and for independent learners, I absolutely love dialogues and you'll find them in any beginning book. Um, there'll be a, you know, it's, it's essentially beginning books all break down conversations, right? That's, that's, I shouldn't say all of them do, but, you know, really ones that are going to get you communicating do have that feature in common where they're taking a real conversation and they're breaking it down and you're learning it. Again, I, I talk about Pimsler all the time. They do that beautifully. I love it to get you really talking to people. But a way to do this is to learn conversations. Um, I absolutely love the Foreign Service Institute books. They're they were made by the U.S. government, so they're public domain. So you can you could just Google them and get them, and they have tons of exercises in in the books. I I don't recommend the exercises, though. With that said, I haven't done them. I would I I go right to the conversations. Here's the conversations. Here's the context at a restaurant, meeting people at the hospital, emergencies at the embassy, um, getting getting lost, for example great context. People learning these and having these conversations back and forth. This is a conversation that you can have with an italki tutor or two students can memorize. And so while those aren't real interpersonal communication examples, right? It's not a spontaneous conversation back and forth. It looks more like those memorized tasks that we talked about in the presentational mode they're building up to that. And once you have enough words and phrases, you move into the B level, you move into the intermediate level, and that becomes something that's yours. And then you become someone who can create with language, and which is really what most people consider fluent. I wanted to share a couple of resources Um that I think are really interesting. Uh, so we talked about the communication standard, right? And those different, those three modes of communication, presentational, I'm sorry, interpretive, presentational, and interpersonal, and ways to incorporate those in a class and in as an independent learner. These look the same in many ways at all levels. You just need to worry about the amount of time that you spend in doing any one of these activities. So if you're a novice level learner or an, an A-level learner, short times, you know, your, 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 any time spent on those, the, in those modes of communication need to be short and they need to, to change frequently. As your language skills build, you can spend longer periods of time, right? As a novice level learner, an A-level learner, I wouldn't go over 30 minutes in, in a lesson or on any one activity. You want to move on. 
And then when you're advanced and you're, you're really able to produce at the paragraph level, you can be, your, your effort can be sustained for a much longer period of time. I'm going to leave um, a graphic I made some years ago about languages in the past and in the present. You know, it's so exciting. I've always loved languages and, and, and I loved the language lab and I loved, I loved my classes. But it's so exciting now that we have so many opportunities to, to do all of these interesting things with communication, right? And um, that all this language is accessible uh, next week, we're going to talk about another one of the standards. We're going to talk about connections next week. Until next time. Till next time. Till next. Thank you for listening to the Five Week Linguist Show with Janina Klimas. Join us each week here. And visit us at reallifelanguage.com slash reallifelanguageblog for more resources for learning and teaching languages.